fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. All right, how we doing? Happy December. Some of you. <laughs> it's Christmas, right? How many of you are excited, ready to go? Good. There's a few of you. A few of you who are like me. And you're, how many of you are a little bit of a Grinch this year? It's taken you a while to get here. It's taken you a while to kind of get into the Christmas spirit. Uh, I told our family this year we are not putting a tree up until at least December, which is late for us. They're usually like, it's November 1st, let's do this. I was like, there's no point. We, right now in our house, have a two-year-old, a 100-pound dog, two cats, one of whom is a kitten and one of whom has a history of tree climbing. And it's like, there's no point. There is no point in us putting a tree up right now. It will be destroyed by the time Christmas comes. And I suggested maybe we just print off a picture of a tree and put it on the wall this year, right? And that way, nothing falls, nothing breaks, uh, save space. It's the most practical. Listen, I'm the dad. I have to make these decisions. We put our tree up on Friday. And so I guess I'm officially in the Christmas spirit now anyway. Um, but I really am excited uh, to kick off this new series and to talk about Christmas and the meaning and the truth and the power and the hope that Christmas brings. This is a powerful story, isn't it? This is not just a season. This is when God changed all of humanity. And it began at Christmas. And so I'm excited to talk about that. But first, first, let's talk about last week for a minute. Because last week was crazy. Last week was a historic weekend in the life of Cross Point Church. Agreed? Amen? Uh, it's pretty crazy. We took our big offering for our housing project, and we came before you with a large goal, and we said, let's raise $35,000 and give it away to the city to build one of these units. And uh, it's a big goal, one, because that's a big number. It doesn't matter who you are or what's going on. That's a lot of money. Uh, two, we only gave you a few weeks' notice. And we said, we're going to do this three or four weeks from right now. Get ready. Uh, three, uh, it was an offering that in no way benefited us personally, which was the point. Uh, and then finally, it came at a time of the year when people are watching their budgets, getting ready for all of the other things they need to spend money on. And there was a few times when I thought, are we crazy to throw this out here and to try and raise $35,000 with all those things going on? And... Um, well, I'm sure you've heard a little bit of some of the totals that we've announced along the way. Uh, they're actually still tallying. There's still some trickling in. There's still some little details along the way. Uh, but we can say with confidence that, that our grand total with a little more to come is over $52,000. That is bonkers. $52,000. We were hoping all week to just get to the 35. Like, I think we're going to get 35. I don't know. Do you think we'll get 35? And the money started to come in and we're still like, I don't know. What's it going to look like? And I never fathomed remotely that we would be able to give $50,000 in a single weekend. Guys, 
That is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome stuff. And you know what I love about it? Uh, is that that wasn't the result of just one really big check. It's not like someone gave us 35000 and we all kind of chipped in for the last little bit. Uh, I don't know who gives or how much the amounts are, who gave, I, I don't know any of that, but I do know that the largest check that we got was for about 5000 wow. which is awesome and hugely generous, but it means that for, for us to get to 52000 we all gave, that we all chipped in, that we all did what we could, we all played a part in this, and uh, we kind of worked together to get to a total like that. And I just love that picture of, of a family kind of all chipping in. Is everyone okay backstage? Okay, good. That's why I asked. Uh, so long as one of those wooden walls doesn't fall, we're all good. Maybe we can use some of that extra money to fix things around here. Uh, $52,000 is crazy, and I know some of you are thinking, all right, well, that's like $17,000 towards another house. What are we going to do? We're just going to give all of it to them and let them figure that out. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, so maybe there will be organizations in the city that wouldn't be able to give a full 35. Maybe they can give 10 or 15, and so we've already helped someone get halfway to a house, and so all the money is going directly to that organization and uh, maybe you've seen in the news that there's been pictures of what those houses look like. And uh, it, it's pretty exciting stuff. And we got to do that. We didn't have to do it. We got to do that. And uh, I, I love it. I'm a proud pastor today. And uh, it's just really good stuff. And something big happened in our church family last weekend, I believe. And uh, that's some pretty cool stuff. And who knows what God will do with that, right? Um. All right, well, changing gears, let's talk about Christmas. Let's talk about one of the most Christmassy words that we could think of, trepidation. It is not a Christmassy word, is it? I don't know when we announced this series, how many of you thought, that's their Christmas series? What, they look at the picture like, that's their Christmas logo? What are, what are they doing? This does not seem anything remotely like Christmas, right? Like to quote Lucy from Charlie Brown, where's all the jingle bells, the Santa Claus, the ho, 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 and the mistletoe? Right, that's when we think of Christmas, we're like, where's the fun, where's the shiny, you know, hooray kind of stuff, and uh, we're talking trepidation, right, but here's the thing, it's been a little bit of a year, hasn't it? It's been a bit of a year, it's been a bit of a year for the world and for all of us as individuals, um, I think we're, we're like half afraid to turn on the news anymore, we're a little afraid to check the internet to find out what happened today and, and what's going to be happening tomorrow. It's really just been kind of a nonstop news cycle of disasters or scandals or heartache. Right? Even just in these last few months, think about everything that's happened. There was this ridiculously awful shooting in Las Vegas, only to be followed up by another shooting in Sutherland Springs at a church. Right? There was a bombing at a concert this year where kids were present, going to see a show. Right? And, and you think of the hurricane season, which was crazy. Like three hurricanes all showed up. H.I. and J. all showed up at the same time. Harvey, Irma, and Jose to have a party. There are still people who don't have power from those hurricanes. Like that was months ago. And we just can't even fathom what that would be like. Um, and, and it seems like it used to be you'd turn on the news and all the really bad news was happening in other parts of the world. It doesn't feel like that anymore, does it? 
It used to feel like, well, I mean, it's all in the Middle East or it's all wherever. And, and nowadays, it doesn't even feel like there's a, a safe place anymore. And, and you look around the world and even like the untold stories that don't seem to get attention, like the famine that's happening right now in Yemen and the war that's going on in Somalia. And, and you think of all the things that happened, you know, the, the refugee crisis that continues to unfold. And you think of you know, who in the world knows what's going to happen with North Korea and Russia and what they're thinking and what's going on, right? It's just, it's, we live in uncertain times. And, and then, so then you're like, well, I'll just turn it over to the entertainment news. And all the entertainment news now is scandals. And you find out that half of Hollywood is, is being called out for all kinds of, you know, sexual misconduct from actors to writers to directors. And you're thinking, that's not the bad news. It's great news that they're getting called out for it. The bad news is that there's just been this unbelievable amount of it happening the whole time anyway. And you think, what a, what a broken world that this is the epidemic that's getting called out right now. And it almost makes you feel like, all right, well, what's next? What's tomorrow going to bring when I turn on the news? We all thought 2016 was a hard year. And then 2017 shows up and they're like, just hold on, look what I've got. And, and so we're coming into 2018 a little bit anxious, a little bit like we're walking on eggshells, wondering who's going to say what, what's going to trigger World War III, what's going to be the event that, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And so we use the word trepidation. And trepidation is a word that's commonly used to kind of express fear, but there's more to it than that. There's a future connotation that comes with it. You're afraid of what's about to happen. You're afraid of what's going to happen. There's this uneasy sense of foreboding and dread where you're just kind of like peeking around the corner like, I don't know what's going to happen. It comes from a Latin word that means to tremble, right? There's this physical aspect of like, ah, I just don't know. I think we have a lot of trepidation in the world right now. I think there's a lot of people looking around and watching the news and seeing world events unfold, and they're like, I'm not sure what I should even expect. I'm a little uncertain. I'm a little anxious about all of this. It's this dreadful feeling, right? So I, I liken it to a jack-in-the-box. Because we all know, right, you have a jack-in-the-box. Uh, we have a horse in the box because clowns are banned in my house. <laughs> right? And, and you're like do the little song, and you've heard it a million times, you know that this is safe, but as it gets closer, you know that something's about to happen, and it's right like there, you're like, I don't know what's gonna, that's trepidation. This is trepidation right now. There's this uneasy sense of dread and fear. You know something's gonna happen. You know that it's coming soon, and then it happens. See, isn't he way better than a clown? He's way better. He's actually in the back looking at this right now, angry that I have his toy on stage, and so I need to hide this. Right? That's the, kind of those few seconds, those moments before something happens, that feeling that you have of like, I don't think I'm going to like what's about to happen, but I know something's coming. That is trepidation. And I feel like that's the way that we're all kind of living right now. We're living in a world full of trepidation. It doesn't feel like we're all rushing into the new year super pumped, like, woo! But we are kind of just cautiously tiptoeing to 2018, bracing ourselves for what might happen this year. And you know what I love about Christmas? Is that the most repeated line in the Christmas story is, do not be afraid. It's don't be afraid. The most repeated line. The Christmas story in scripture is not a lengthy story. And the phrase, do not be afraid, shows up multiple times. 
Mary is told, don't be afraid. Joseph is told, don't be afraid. The shepherds are told, don't be afraid. The people we're talking about today, Elizabeth and Zachariah, are told, don't be afraid. There is something about Christmas that is directly linked with us today not needing to be afraid. There is something about Christmas that in our lives, if we believe this truth and we hold on to it, we don't need to walk with trepidation into tomorrow. There is something about the birth of a Savior 2017 Christmases ago that still matters to us today that says, I don't need to worry about tomorrow because God is in it. Right? In fact, what we hear about the Savior who showed up at Christmas is that he is called a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. You think about those titles. Those, those are titles of, of authority. Those are titles of power, but they're also titles of comfort. Who doesn't want a counselor who is mighty and everlasting and brings peace? I will take one of those, right? Isn't that what the world needs right now? A wonderful, mighty, everlasting counselor who brings peace. We don't need to be afraid because that person showed up thousands of years ago. And he is still our savior today. He still offers that truth to us today. The Bible tells us that God is love. And then the Bible goes on to say that perfect love actually casts out all fear. And so as we believe that Jesus is God, we believe that Jesus casts out all fear. We believe that at Christmas, perfect love cast away fear. And that we don't need to be afraid anymore. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will. We don't need to walk into 2018 with any trepidation. Because our God is a God who casts out fear. And we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without being afraid of evil. Without being afraid of the world. You can watch the news and not panic because my hope is in the Lord. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to be declaring kind of the truth of, of not being afraid as the angel comes to multiple people and says that exact same thing. And we're going to talk about the hope and the comfort and the peace that we find because of the first Christmas. And I believe that it's an incredibly timely story for us to, to know, to remember, and to recognize that Jesus Christ is still the anchor that we hold on to when life is uncertain. He is still the anchor that we hold on to when life is messy and difficult and painful and confusing. My hope is in the Lord. And so we're going to look at our passage of Scripture today. We're going to work through almost all of Luke chapter 1 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to skip right up to verse 5. And it says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, he was a member of the priestly order of, I'm just going to do the maritime translation, Ab Abijah. It's not how you pronounce it. Uh, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. And so the, the important thing that the story wants us to remember right off the bat is that Elizabeth and Zechariah were good people. They obeyed God, they followed him, they trusted him, they obeyed all of his commands, but 
they didn't have kids. And see, back then, not having kids was seriously frowned upon. Right? There, 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 the issue wouldn't have just been that you don't have kids. There would have been an assumption being made that you have done something so that God has punished you without being able to have kids. So what did you do? Right? And so Elizabeth and Zachariah probably grew up in a town where they knew there was whispers happening about them. There was gossip going down about them. I wonder if it's her fault. I wonder if it's his fault. I wonder if there's a woman. I wonder if there's another man. I wonder whose sin it is. Right? That was the assumption. And it, and it was fact, it was so firmly rooted into their beliefs that it was Jewish law that if you were in a childless family, uh, they could actually excommunicate the man out of the family. You, you don't even get to be a part of this anymore. You've somehow ruined this. Or on the flip side, there was protection the other way where it was actually legal grounds for divorce. That if you were married to a woman who could not give you children, you could walk out without any repercussions. It's pretty horrific when you think about it nowadays, but that was just life back then. But what we find out is that Elizabeth and Zachariah are actually really good, obedient people. They are godly, and yet they still are faced with tragedy. And I think that's an important reminder for us today. You can be godly and still face tragedy. And it doesn't mean that God is against you. It doesn't mean that he's upset with you. It doesn't mean he's making it happen to you. It doesn't mean you have to sit and think, what did I do wrong? What's happening now? Sometimes it's just the result of living in a fallen world that is ruled by an evil person and bad things happen. Right? Which is a weird comfort but it's a comfort nonetheless sometimes. It reminds me of a story in the book of John where Jesus and his disciples are walking down the road and uh, they come across a blind guy who's begging and his disciples, this is how rooted it was in their belief system. The disciples asked, well, do you think he's blind because of his sin or was it his parents' sin? Right, that was the assumption. It's one of those two things, right? And Jesus responds with actually it wasn't his sin or his parents' sin. And they're silent. He doesn't even go on to say why it happens. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it's a broken world. Sometimes that's where we live. But the great thing is that Jesus says, but this is a great opportunity for God to showcase his power. And he goes on to heal that man, and word spreads all across the place that God has performed a miracle. Just because it's not from God doesn't mean it can't be redeemed by God. And whatever your painful, difficult, kind of heartache circumstance that you are going through today might be a thing that God uses tomorrow to showcase his power. It might be a thing that you go through tomorrow where God says, ha ha, that wasn't from me, but watch me use it for my glory and watch me turn it around for your good. And that is exactly what happens to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Verse 8. Goes on to say, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the power, the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's a pretty good day for Zechariah. That's a pretty good day for him. First of all, it's a big day for him because he is chosen to serve in the temple. And notice how it said he, had, he was chosen by lot, which means just a lottery. It was, it was a gamble, right? So what happens is that we read that he was from the, priest, the priesthood line, from the family of Aaron and all that. What that means is that almost like in some countries, if you're of age, you can be drafted into the army. Well, if you're of age and you're in that family, you're drafted into the ministry, whether you want to be or not. And so there was thousands and thousands of them. And the only way they could determine who gets to go into the sanctuary of the Lord was that it was just tr chosen at random. And so it was his name that got called that day and, and to go into the sanctuary of the Lord, which was the highly kind of sacred, holy place that you couldn't even kind of walk into. And some people never got drawn. Some people, they never had the opportunity to do that. So for Zachariah, right off the bat, he's thinking, this is my jackpot day. I got chosen to go into the sanctuary of the Lord. He is already having a good day, and then he sees an angel. All right, so you're thinking, if you're Zachariah, man, you're pumped. You're excited about this. It is awesome. He gets a personalized angel visit on his sanctuary. This is like a biblical buy one, get one free combo. And he should be super excited. And verse 12 says he was actually shaken and overwhelmed with fear. Shaken and overwhelmed. He had waited a lifetime to minister in the sanctuary. It's probably a pretty emotional day. He's in a very sacred environment. He's feeling kind of a lot of things. He thinks he's... I mean, just from a purely practical standpoint, wouldn't you be a little shook too? Right? Have you ever been in a place... That wonder if you're alone? Have you ever gotten freaked out staying home alone? Right? You know where the worst place to be when you're all alone is? Is like the church. I have been in this building all by myself, and it is terrifying, let me tell you. I know, I know. It is filled with the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you are here alone and it's dark, you hear things. And you think things, and you start to see things. And the worst is if you have to go downstairs, you notice someone left a light off, and you're like, oh, no. I've never run upstairs so fast in my life than when I do when I'm alone at the church. Don't laugh. Some of you run up your basement stairs, too. You know exactly. You're like, something's going to get me. You run up the stairs as fast as you can. What are you doing here? But it's an angel of the Lord. That's a pretty big kind of title, right? This is like if your boss comes into your office, quietly shuts the door and sits down and looks at you, you're thinking one of two things. This is going to be really good or really bad. That's probably what he's thinking when he sees an angel of the Lord standing before him. And another thing we need to remember is that there has been 400 years of complete and utter silence from God. There has been nothing for four centuries. Not a prophet, not a word, not an angel, not a vision, not a sighting. There, there's been nothing since the book of Malachi. Zechariah is the first guy to hear from God in 400 years. 
So when you put it in that perspective, it's no wonder the guy is overwhelmed. What have I done that an angel of the Lord would come to me? What, what has happened in my life? What, you know, I know what people are saying about me. I know the gossip that I've endured. I don't, I don't know what did I do. He is shaken and overwhelmed by his circumstances. And I were to, if I were to guess and ask, you know, how many of you are going through something in your life right now that has you shaken and overwhelmed? I bet there would be more than a few hands up. When you look around at your life, the things that are going on and the thoughts you have in your head are, all right, God, what is happening? What is going on right now? Why is this happening? Have I done something? And you are shaken and overwhelmed. You don't know why you're going through it, and it's painful, but I want you to know the day that God knows what is going on in your life, and he has heard all the prayers that you have been praying for years, and he is still with you, and he is for you. There's a reason that the first words out of the angel's mouth are, don't be afraid. The very first thing the angel wants him to know is, listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to be afraid. You don't need to be worried. This is not bad. This is good. And I want you to know that every time God speaks to you, it is good. It is for you. It doesn't mean that it won't be painful. It means that it's still for you and still good. That's the first thing that God wants you to know today. If you are in a season of trepidation, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the angel immediately confirms why he's there. He says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a baby. I know this is crazy. And not just any son, but this guy is going to be the forerunner to the savior of all mankind. He is going to be quite something. This is huge news. This is great stuff. You know, you are terrified of this angel. He's really just a heavenly pregnancy test. Right? Hey, guess what? You're having a baby. Like, I had to go to shoppers and buy stuff. This guy gets a personalized visit from an angel. You're pregnant. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how happy you would be to know that you are face-to-face -face with an angel and what he says to you is, God has heard your prayers, every single one of them, and he knows them, and he loves you, and he's answering them. Wouldn't that be incredible to know? Well, guess what? I can tell you the same thing. And I'm, I mean, I'm no angel, well, I, kind of, but, right? Listen, God has heard all of your prayers and he knows what's going on in your life and he is for you and with you and has good things planned for you and he's watching over you and he has been faithful to you every day up until right now and he will continue to be faithful every single day that you live and so you don't need to be afraid. He hears you. All those unanswered prayers for years, he's heard them. They're not going to nowhere. He gets them. And he stands before Zechariah. All those prayers, I thought, were not getting through to God. All those times that you were silent. All those times that people were talking about us. All that pain that we had when we had to go to other people's baby showers. All the dreams and hopes we had for a kid that, that we thought were long gone to know that God heard me the whole time and is still with me. What an incredible comfort. It should be for all of us. Don't be afraid. It's got to feel pretty good. And so what this story reminds us of sometimes is that God hears your prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes, but wait. 
Sometimes the answer is, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to do that. It's just going to be a little while. It's just going to be a little while, and you're going to have to wait. And you might endure a season of, of silence where you wonder where I am, but hold on, I'm still here. Sometimes the answer is yes, but just wait. Our God is a God who keeps his word, who fulfills his promises, who hears his people. So it's all good. Zachariah's pumped, right? Raises his hand, says, "Woo! yeah, no, this is awesome. Actually, no. Verse 18, Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure? How gutsy do you have to be to look at an angel and say, now, hold on. How can I be sure? Right? How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Very diplomatic. I'm old. She's just well along. It's wise. Isn't it amazing how skillful we can get at talking ourselves out of the promises of God? How many times have you doubted when God gave you exactly what you asked for? How many times have you tried to kind of bring it back down to earth and, well, let's be real about this. I mean, I prayed for this and it happened, but, I mean, it could have been anything. He looks at an angel and says, well, I'm not so sure. Now, what is wrong with us? I mean, we do this. We've done this exact same thing. Despite the glory of one of God's angels standing before him, his heart was still so hardened from years of doubt and unbelief. That he has the gall to look an angel in the eye and say, actually. And I wonder how many hearts are like that in this room. That you've given your shot with God and you've prayed your prayers and you've waited for an answer and he hasn't done anything. And I fear for the day that God shows up miraculously on my behalf and I miss it because I was too busy doubting. God is faithful and his timing is perfect, and he is good to his people. Zachariah is trying to talk an angel down. He's trying to convince an angel not to believe in miracles. All right, an angel of the Lord says, you're going to have a baby. And Zachariah's like, listen, let's have a chat about biology and age and all these important things. It's crazy. I think verse 18 is hilarious that we've done this. How many times has, has our response to the miraculous been like, well, let's be real about this. Let's bring this back down to earth. Let's not. Let's not. Let's take God at his word that he can do the impossible. Let's take God at his word that he answers prayer. Let's take God at his word that nothing is impossible for him. Let's take God at his word that if he is for us, who can be against us? Let's take God at his word that he likes to give good gifts to his kids. To believe him. To know that he is perfect and righteous and faithful. And every promise he has made to you, he has fulfilled or he will. He is for us. And he does what's best for us. And Zechariah looks an angel in the eye and says, I don't believe you. The angel responds quite strongly. Verse 19 Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Right? It's almost like he's saying, I did not have to expect to bring my credentials to you today. But here they are. Right? This is who I am. This is for real. 
And then he goes on to say, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. And then he says this great line, speaking for God, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. That is a good truth from God. My words will be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then he realized from his gestures, they did, and his silence, that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. I feel like God's being a little bit sarcastic. You talk back to an angel, you lose your voice. Right, this is what's going to happen. Because think about this. This guy has just had the greatest day of his life. For one, he was chosen to go into the sanctuary. And then two, he gets a personalized visit from an angel. And then three, he gets the truth that a promise he has been waiting on for years and years and years is going to be fulfilled. And he walks out that day and he can't even say anything about it. He doesn't even get to celebrate he doesn't even get to say hooray. And he walks out there super excited and everyone's like, whoa, what happened? What's going on? And he's like, so he was gesturing. He's playing charades. He's trying to tell them what happened in there. Right? You think about that. Zachariah, what happened in there? And he's like, angel, like what do you, it's pregnant right on. They're like, did you get pregnant in the sanctuary? Like what happened in the sanctuary of the Lord? He can't even talk. And he has to do it for a week. He's there for a week working. Verse 23, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. He can't talk for nine months and her first words are, how kind the Lord is. <laughs> You disbelieve one angel and everyone gets sassy. I also, listen, you have to wonder how he explained all of that to his wife too. Right, he goes home after that week, opens the door. She's like, how was your week, dear? And he's back to charades again. Right, how are you supposed to say, I was drawn to pick the, my lot in the sanctuary, got met with an angel, he's a little angry at me. Long story short, you're going to have a baby. How do you charade that? Right? That is a challenge. That is a hard time. Uh, obviously, he's great at charades because verse 24 says, Elizabeth got pregnant pretty soon afterward. <laughs> Skills. But I love, I love that her response to all of this is how kind the Lord is. Notice that her response to his miracle, that to, to his answer isn't what took you so long. It isn't where have you been? Why have you been silent? Haven't you heard me? What's the deal with all the pain? Couldn't we have done this when I was younger? Her response in the middle of all of it is how kind the Lord is. Church, that is a good response when God answers your prayer. That is a good response for a faithful God who loves his children, that he shows up, the verse said, at the proper time, and fulfilled his words. He is good, and you can tell him that. That is a great response for God. You could wake up every day, even in the middle of unanswered prayer, and say, how kind the Lord is. Right? 
And it goes on to talk about God fulfilling his words at the proper time. She didn't think it was the proper time. She thought her proper time was long gone. But see, if, if they have a baby any earlier, then it's not John the Baptist. He doesn't get to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ, and they don't get to play their role in one of the most pivotal moments the history of the world has seen, the most pivotal moment the history of the world has ever seen, because God's timing is perfect, even if we're confused by it. Even if we think, no, there's no way, no, no, you know, prime time for that is long gone, according to my calendar, my schedule, my mind, this is when all these things should have happened, God's timing is perfect. And he knows what is best for you. And he is working things out so that he will fulfill his word at just the right time. What I love about Elizabeth and Zechariah is the very first thing we learned about them. Is that they were faithful to God and continued to obey him. Now remember that that would have been years of unanswered prayer. That would have been years of heartache from the community That would have been years of probably a little bit of marital stress. He doesn't walk out on her. He's legally allowed. She doesn't give up on him. They continue to follow the Lord. Elizabeth doesn't just honor God after her prayers are answered. She kept honoring God even when they weren't. She chose to honor God in the middle of a lengthy season of silence and pain and heartache. I think that's incredible. Even when God was silent, they obeyed. Even when time had gone by, they obeyed. Even when their faith was wavering and their heart was weak, they continued to honor God. And even when her mute husband comes home gesturing wildly, she's like, okay, And of anything that we learn from this story, I really want us to get that today. It's not enough to just honor God in your seasons of blessing and abundance, but you need to continue to be faithful to him and obey him and follow him in your seasons of silence and heartache and confusion. Because God is still with you when it's hard. He is still with you when he's silent. He still has a plan that he's working out on your behalf that's perfect And he will bring it about at just the right time. And so continue to stay faithful. Continue to walk in obedience. The timing might not make sense to you, but it will later. I'm sure it didn't make sense to Zachariah or Elizabeth at that point, but it did later. And even Zachariah eventually gets to praise God. His voice comes back. We'll close with this passage from verse 57. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son... And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, nope, his name is John. What, they exclaimed? There's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures. Guys, charades, the whole chapter. They used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him, and he motioned for a writing tablet And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zachariah could speak again. And what does he do? He begins praising God. Even after being disciplined by the Lord for months, the first thing he does is praise God. 
Even after years of silence and heartache and pain and confusion, one of the most difficult seasons of their life, I have no doubt, the very first thing that both Zachariah and Elizabeth do when given the opportunity is to praise God. He is so faithful, church. He is so good and worthy. The Lord is kind. And I know that for many of you right now, especially, I mean, the world is difficult, but some of your lives are difficult and you're in a season of silence. You're in a season where there is more pain than promises. That, that You're in a season where there's more silence than there is words from God. And I know that some of you are getting tired of a silent God. I know some of you are tired of the season that you're in. And I would encourage you to take on the same character of Zachariah and Elizabeth and to stay every single day. I will continue to follow him. I will continue to honor him. I will continue to walk in obedience to him, knowing that if I am faithful to him, he has always been faithful to me and that he will answer on my behalf and that he will show up for me and the timing will be right and the words will be good and that will be what is best for me because I believe that he is a wonderful counselor the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is exactly what our world needed. He is exactly what our world still needs and what we need to continue to be faithful to him because we know full well he has been faithful to us. And so be encouraged today. They got to take part in one of the most important stories the world has ever known, but it required a lengthy season. And maybe yours is also been quite lengthy. But perfect love casts out all fear. And you don't need to enter into tomorrow with any trepidation because the Lord is with you and he is good. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful for the truth of your word today. And Father, I specifically pray for those that are in this room, that are in the middle of that season right now where it's painful, where you've been quiet, or they're wondering what's going to happen, how long will this go on for? God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would wash over them with a sense of peace like they have not experienced in years. That you would give people comfort and hope and assurance that they have never even felt from you before. And that it would be this instantaneous moment of knowing God is good and he is with me and he is for me and he has loved me. Remind people of that truth today, Father. Holy Spirit, just wash over this room right now. May we sense your goodness and your kindness and your graciousness and your faithfulness and help us day after day after day, regardless of the circumstances of our life, to continue to follow after you because you're good and you're with us. And it's why you came. We love you and we are grateful for you. Give us the strength we need for tomorrow. And we pray it in your name. Amen.